canonize itself. That's what it does, right? Thank you. It uh, it proves itself over and over and over again. And last week we talked about the fact if you're going to try and disprove God, you got a really, really large task ahead of you, right? Because you got to disprove all this too. It's good to see you here, both members and visitors alike. We praise God for your attendance. Uh, we're thankful to Him for His goodness and for His blessings and for His grace. Let us please go together to God in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for blessing us, allowing us to be here. We've gone through this day and now we're here approaching an evening worship opportunity. Pray, Lord God, that our day was filled with joy in our relationship with you. Pray, Lord God, that as we have been enriched from your word, that your word will carry us through until we meet again. We ask, Lord God, that you will help us as we worship you tonight to focus our minds on Jesus, your great Son and our great King. In his name we do pray and thank thee for be thy will. Amen. Second Samuel, please. We're finalizing this, uh, this text. Chapter 12 in verse, verse 24. We're finalizing the Bible and it, as it works together to canonize itself. What about Solomon? So Solomon is the author of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and most likely the Song of Solomon. And you think about his writings and the question of whether Solomon was inspired. Now we know in the end, at the end of the day, the Bible tells us, and we'll close with that, all scriptures inspired by God. But when we're trying to prove to people that the Bible canonizes itself, this is more information for us. So 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 24 and 25. Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba and went into her and lay with her. And she gave birth to a son and he named him Solomon. Now the Lord loved him and sent word through Nathan the prophet and he named him Jedidiah for the Lord's sake. So Jedidiah is a name that God gave to Solomon. So when Solomon, when God names you, you're probably going to be all right. So the name Solomon came, uh, Jedidiah rather came from God himself. So Matthew chapter 6 now. In verse 29. Matthew 6 in verse 29. And that is beloved of the Lord. I believe is what Jedidiah means. Jesus then validates Solomon as well. When he speaks back to all of Solomon's glory. And riches that he had. And we know where it came from. Because the Bible tells us. Matthew 6 in verse 29. The Bible says, Jesus says, Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. We know that God gave him wisdom. And we know that God gave him honor and God gave him riches. And so here's another validation, if you will, in the word of God. Now, Isaiah, uh, Isaiah rather, uh, Matthew chapter 15. Isaiah is, is validated. He's a messianic prophet. He's known to us. As the Messianic prophet, he wrote by inspiration in the days of Habakkuk, Jeremiah, and Daniel during the Babylonian captivity. And so these men all wrote about the same thing. Jesus says in Matthew 15, beginning at verse 7, You hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy to you, saying, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrine the precepts of men. And so... 
Uh, now we have Jesus talking about or validating Isaiah, the messianic prophet and contemporary prophet, if you will, with Habakkuk, Jeremiah, and Daniel. Daniel chapter 9, please. During that captivity, God's prophets were carried off into uh, different locations. I want to look at the book of Daniel chapter 9 uh, regarding Ezekiel. Ezekiel is a contemporary uh, prophet. And when you think about that contemporary prophet, again, with Habakkuk and Jeremiah and Daniel during these days of this captivity, I want to look at chapter 9 and verse 2. Daniel 9 and verse 2. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, observed in the books the number of the years which was revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. So now Daniel validates Jeremiah. Okay, And, uh, of course, they all speak in the same way. But now go to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel uh, also speaks of Daniel. So, again, these these men, you have to first prove these men did not exist. And then you have to prove, if you're trying to disprove God, that these men's messages that were pretty much all the same from different locations in Babylon, from Kibar, from Susa, and those left down in Jerusalem in this particular time period, in Daniel himself and other uh, prophets and spokesmen of God. You have to prove these guys weren't connected. And that's an impossibility. I'm giving you a very generic uh, version of of this lesson and what it obviously uh, could become through time and study. Ezekiel 14, look if you will at verse 12. Verse 12. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, if a country sins against me by committing unfaithfulness, and I stretch out my hand against it, destroy its supply of bread, send famine against it, and cut off from it both man and beast. Even though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in its midst by their own righteousness, they can only deliver themselves, declares the Lord God. So in the text, Daniel, Noah, and Job. Daniel tells you about Jeremiah. Ezekiel's talking about Daniel. Why would Ezekiel talk about Noah if Noah wasn't a true account? But Ezekiel believes and understands through prophecy that Noah was a true and right account and that Job, the book of Job that we read about, obviously happened. I mean, these guys are so connected because they're all inspired by the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 20. Even though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in its midst as I live, declares the Lord God, they could not deliver either their son or their daughter. They would only deliver themselves by their righteousness. And so the Bible tells us that Noah was a righteous man. The Bible tells us that Daniel was a righteous man. And the Bible tells us that Job was a righteous man. Ezekiel tells us that. The connection in the verses, the passages of the scripture as God joins them together. Again, in Daniel 9 and verse 2, remember, he mentions Jeremiah. And so the connection is there. The connections will always be there and they can't be taken away. Matthew 24. So when we're talking to people about, about God and we're, we don't have to go into necessarily astronomy and astrology and, 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 and you know, paleontology and all, but we don't have to go into all that necessarily. We can just go to the book and you'll see the book connecting with the book and put the burden on the person you're speaking with instead of allowing them to put the burden of proof on you. 
Matthew 24 and verse 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken through Daniel, the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Verse 37. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like in the days of Noah. For as in those days which were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, they were marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Connection. Right? Connection. So now, in order to say, if you say, well, you know, I'm not sure that I believe in Jesus. Well, we can go all the way back to the Old Testament and connect Jesus. Connect the Word of God and say, well, you can't deny these are things you cannot deny. Matthew 26 and verse 18. Jeremiah, uh, if you will, uh, validates the prophet Micah. Matthew 26 and verse 18. And he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I am to keep the Passover um, at your your house with my disciples. Jeremiah 26. <laughs> That's where I wanted to go. I'm trying to show you something else. I was like, wait a minute. That one doesn't fit. Jeremiah 26. That's my mistake there. Jeremiah 26 and verse 18. Micah of Morasheth prophesied in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah. And he spoke to all the people of Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts. He has said, Zion will be plowed as a field and Jerusalem will become ruins and the mountains of the house of the high places of forest, a forest. Now, when you think about this, these prophecies all came true, right? So these men, these spokesmen of God, these prophets who prophesied these things are reading about in the Old Testament, all of their prophecies came true exactly the way they prophesied or spoke of them to happen. Turn to the New Testament, to the book of James. So, again, and you think about other people who claim to be prophets, and yet all their prophecies failed. Every one of them, outside of Christ. But in Christ, every prophecy came true, from the Old Testament into the New Testament. Elijah. Elijah, by James the prophet. James 5 and verse 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Huh. Remember on the top of the mountain, Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah? The connection, right? There's the connection. That's in Matthew 17. The connection is there. It will remain there. Now, James, turn to Acts chapter 15. Acts 15, the uh, brother of the Lord, a very, very powerful man uh, in the Lord, in the Lord's church in this day, in Acts 15 and the verse 13. There the Bible says, and after they had stopped speaking, the apostles this was, as the apostles had stopped speaking, James answered saying, brethren, listen to me. And so James, this is important, is validated and you read the whole text, you'll see it's a powerful message, and it became a rule uh, regarding the Gentiles. James validates, or is validated by Luke and the apostles and the elders of that day. 
Turn to James 5 in verse 11. And James, when you study the book of James and you read it, he spoke about Jesus and what Jesus said. He kind of repeats a lot of the Sermon of the Mount in his message. He repeats it and speaks it over and over again. And James speaks again about Job. James chapter 5 and verse 11. Behold, we count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job. And I've seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. And so James says in this text, hey, you got to have faith and confidence and patience, trusting in the Lord. Can we believe it? Well, let's see. Job talked about it. He gave us an example of it. God gave us the book of Job to prove it to us. Jesus and all the others spoke of Job. And we can trust the Bible to be true and to be from God. What about the prophet Joel? Acts chapter 2. Keep in mind, these books are thousands of years apart. They're thousands of years apart, and yet they're all connected without contradiction. And I think it was last week that I mentioned to you when someone says, we believe the Bible so far as it's, it's, um, uh, it doesn't contradict. You just ask them, put the burden of proof on them. Show me where it contradicts. Your Bible study will end quickly because they cannot. Because it does not. Acts chapter 2 in verse 16. Joel, who was a contemporary with Obadiah, is validated by Luke and Peter. Acts 2 and verse 16. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. So Luke, the author of the book of Acts, by way of inspiration, Peter takes Joel's message and then he preaches it. These are all considered men of God. How do men of God handle the words of God? They do it without contradiction. Matthew chapter 12. Jonah, uh, contemporary with Micah, Amos, and Nahum. These were all during the Assyrian captivity, or invasion, should I say, and destruction of Jerusalem. This was the destruction of the northern kingdom. And these men spoke during these days or during this time. So Jonah is validated by Jesus who compares his own resurrection to Jonah and the great sea monster. right? The great fish or the great, as the Bible calls it, is a sea monster. Matthew chapter 12 verse 40. Just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster... So shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall stand up with this generation at the judgment and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, some things greater than Jonah is here. And you can go back and read some Assyrian literature and find Nineveh who worshiped the fish god, some crazy prophet preach to them and they repent it. The Bible is not only connected within itself. It shows the connection of historical events that have happened that are undeniable. Undeniable. Matthew, please, a chapter, excuse me, Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Jesus validates Paul, who is a 
chosen vessel and by way of inspiration is the author of 17 of the New Testament books. Acts 9, beginning verse 4. Luke says, And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and it shall be told you what you must do. So Paul is validated by Jesus and also by Luke, who wrote or is the author of the book of Acts by way of inspiration. So again, now we have this very real man who exists, who is powerful. How are you going to refute? How in the world can a person look at all these scriptures and say that God doesn't exist? Or that Jesus, or the Bible isn't right, or whatever. It just, there's just too much to prove in error. And there, and it's, there isn't any. Look at Philemon. Um, when you think about Philemon, and you think about his, his works, and you think about all the things that, uh, happen in, in the life of, of God, and you think about what Paul says, and what Luke says, and what Mark says, you read the book of Philemon and you get, you get some more information. You find out some contemporaries who are working together. Chapter, well, verse 23. Verse 23. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow workers. They're all working together. And so Luke is validated by Paul as Paul validated Luke. They're saying, hey, we work together in Christ. We're fellow workers. We, The inspired apostle is working with this man who wrote the history of the early church. So you think about the history of the early church. Can you trust it? Well, let's go back and disprove Paul as a Pharisee first, Saul, and all that he did in the persecution against the church, and all that he did in becoming a child of God, and all that he said about what happened to him, and all the contemporaries who wrote about him. And you realize, wait a minute, we cannot disprove Paul, and, and if you can't disprove Paul, then Paul says, I am a fellow worker with Luke. Well, and you can't disprove Luke, because if Paul's a man of God, then you know he wouldn't be a fellow worker with Luke if Luke was not a man of God, if Luke were a fraud. When Paul spoke about fraudulent men. So you can trust Luke, who told you all the history of the early church. It all flows together, brethren. Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. Someone says, why, why do we need to know all this? Well, when you're talking to people about God, this is good information to have. Romans 9 in verse 25. The prophet Hosea. And he says also in Hosea, I will call those who were not my people, my people, and her who was not beloved, beloved. So Paul, the inspired apostle, validates Hosea. So now you read the book of Hosea. You can know the book of Hosea comes from God wholeheartedly without a shadow of a doubt because the prophet Paul, the man of God, the apostle who is chosen by God, validates that man and puts him as one of God's people. Luke 24. Jesus continues in uh, his message in validating the Psalms, the law, and the prophets. Luke 24 and verse 44. 
Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So you know, you can go back and you can read the law of Moses and you can trust it. And you can go back and you you can read the prophets and the Psalms and you can trust them because Jesus said, they spoke of me, the Son of God. Verse 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Did it happen? Yep. It happened just the way Jesus said it would happen. It happened just the way the apostles said it would happen. Jesus was crucified like the apostles said, or the prophets rather, said it would happen. It all flows so well. You can't disprove it. And being as though it cannot be disproved, here's what we also know. That means God didn't leave it up to man. Right? Turn back to Isaiah chapter 40. God did not leave it up to man to come together and some counsel and make the decision as to what we're going to call the Bible. Right? You, you know, religious groups have done that themselves. They said, here's a book we're going to call the Bible. No, you, you don't have the right to do that. God took care of this all by himself. When you think about the canon of the Bible... What you have in your hand is the same book, collection of books that were being used in the church in the first century over and over and over again. In the congregations, in all the churches, all around, they were using the same collection of books that you have in your hand right now. By the time the Council of Nicaea had come together, the collection of books had already been continually used over and over and over again. And all they did was say, you know, these books are already proven to be true. We will go ahead and do our test, and our test proved that, well, you can't deny what already is. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 6. The Bible says, a voice says, call out, Then he answered, what shall I call out? All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, and when the breath of the Lord blows upon it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. God doesn't need man's help. Turn to Psalm 119, please. The verse 160. The sum of the word is truth. And every one of thy righteous ordinances is everlasting. The sum of thy word is truth. You... You can trust it. 
But why, why wouldn't it say, well, well, all the Bible contains all truth? Well, that wouldn't be correct, would it? Because the Bible records the lies of the people. Right? The Bible tells you what people said and says that was a lie. So what God is saying is all that's inspired from God, you can trust every bit of it, but realize it contains both truth and error. The error of humanity, the faults of humanity, and the greatness of our God. You can trust it. You can trust it with all of your mind, with all of your heart, and all of your soul. Psalm 119 in verse 89. It is the standard for which we live. Everything that we believe and follow is from the Word of God and nowhere else. And if it is anywhere else found where we follow something that isn't in the Bible, we got to think that over again, don't we? We follow what thus saith the Lord. Verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. In other words, God didn't need us. And still doesn't need us. The word of God is what's going to meet us in the end on judgment day. It's an open book test. Thank you, God, for that. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Judgment day will be an open book test. I used to love those and when I had them in high school. You know, the teacher would say, this test is an open book test. You're like, yeah. I mean, you need to know the content of your book. It may take you a long time. You may have to read what you haven't read, but it's all there. Well, you know, everything, if you want to know, well, well Lord, what's going to happen at Judgment Day? What is God going to judge me by? Just pick your Bible up and read. You see why reading the Bible is so important? Because it's an open book text. On Judgment Day, he's not going to pull out some new law and say, well, this is the new law that I didn't tell you guys about on ju- for Judgment Day. This is the new, no, it's all right here. It's, it's, it's all right here in front of us. The Bible is our guide. Verse 16. And then I'll let you go. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable. Everything in the Bible, everything that you find, every, every word within it is inspired by God so that we would get the accuracy, the accurate truth. When, when we think about what the devil did, what the devil has done, you and I, we don't know what the devil has done. No one knows, but God does. And God tells us not only what the devil has done, But God tells us what the devil's thinking, what evil men have thought, what evil men are thinking, what evil men have said. Like Jesus would say, you know, he perceived in his in his heart that they were thinking this, and he knew exactly what they were thinking. So God is giving us everything by way of inspiration so you can trust it because you know it could have come from no one else but God alone. So the Bible says again, all scriptures inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good deed. You can trust it with all your heart and all of your mind and all of your soul. You can trust it. And God is faithful. Now, through this, we've gone through every book of the Bible Except for one. And I intentionally left that one out. And we'll look at that one next week. And we'll close out this idea of, of the canon and can you trust all the books of the Bible. Tonight, if you're not a child of God, we encourage you to become one. To surrender to God in the waters of baptism. The opportunity is before us. Uh, God has given us the, the blessing of another day. 
to surrender to him in the waters of baptism. Having heard his word and believed it, trusting in him, you've been studying God's word and you've understood the truth of his message. The only thing holding you back is you. And today is a great day to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. Excuse me. If you are struggling in your faith and you would like the prayers of the elders, make it known. Contact us. Send an email. Send a message. Contact us in some way. We'll get the message to them and they'll be there to help you. All of us will be there to help you. God bless you. Thank you for your time. Uh, The lesson is yours. In a moment, we'll stand and sing a song of invitation.